What's up, Rad Dads? Welcome back to another episode of the Rad Dads podcast, hosted by none other than the two raddest dads on the East Coast. I'm Sal. And I'm Rob. T- tonight we have a special guest in our in with us, not in studio, but virtually. Uh, Ed Pat. Ed Pat's the executive director of Central Carolina's chapter uh, at A Kid Again. A Kid Again is a national national nonprofit providing free year-round adventure for children with life-threatening conditions. Ed has more than 16 years of nonprofit experience, previously serving the roles at Catherine's House, Carolina AGC, and the Able Trust. Ed holds a master's degree in public administration with, with a specialization in nonprofit management from Clemson University. Ed, welcome to the show. Thank you guys for having me. It's a great pleasure. I appreciate it very much. Uh, co-host here put together a very eloquent intro. Is there anything you want to add to that? Add some a little bit more background on it? I think it's uh, as a. I think it's very important um, to uh, to mention that my undergrad uh, was from Florida State University, and so we are diehard diehard Seminole fans in this house. So even though I did I did attend the state that or the 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 university that wears the orange, um, we're diehard Seminole fans in this house. That's very important. <laughs> it's very important. It's very important. earlier. So how many kids do you have and what are their ages? So my wife and I have four kids. Um, we have two girls, uh, 13 and 11, and then two boys that came after that, and they're seven and four. So our household is uh, never a dull. There's never a dull moment in this household. I am, as we speak, holed up in a closet. Um because I, I feel like this is the only place I can get in the basement because it's probably the only chance I can get to have some quiet without, you know, having some, um, uh, you know, kids screaming in the background or something like that. So trying to, trying to be a good, uh, a good guest. Did you, uh, did you have to park your car around the block just to make sure that the kids, if they look out the window, they know daddy's not home. <laughs> You're hiding in the basement. <laughs> No, no. Luckily, it's it, it's not that. But but uh, but I did have to find the the furthest uh, the furthest closet away from the bedrooms section of the house, and so that's how we ended up here. Wow, four kids. That that's amazing. Uh, how how were the dynamics with the kids? Uh, because I I have three kids. I got three girls, and after our third child, my wife and I actually strongly considered the fourth. We were we were going to adopt because. Three is an odd number. If yeah. two two of the girls are playing with each other, they're leaving the third out. So we, we were going to consider having a fourth. So you know, there's pairs. Yeah, you know, it's um, you know, I think it all depends on their personalities. And so the oldest two, both being girls, uh, they are polar opposites. And so it's like oil and water. Putting, trying to put those two within 10 feet of each other. Um, uh, so, you know, we, we, they, they don't get along great now, but I'm told, and I keep my fingers crossed on this, that they'll be, you know, if they don't get along now, they'll be famously close when they get older, which is always what you want, you know, to have happen. So, but the boys do get along famously. We have, um, uh, the seven and four year old, they share a room, they've got bunk beds and no, no issues out of, out of them 
putting the two together. But when you when the girls get together, it's a, usually a pretty interesting uh, dynamic that exists. So that's when the fire. Well, that's when you see the fireworks. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, lots of fireworks, lots of fireworks, lots of uh, lots of opportunities for me to test uh, growth. Uh, you know, in my patients or you know, ability to to keep to bite my tongue um, in those opportunities, in those situations. There's plenty of fireworks in my house. <laughs> it's the Fourth of July every day. <laughs> yeah, but it's all good. I would I wouldn't change it for the world. So how how has becoming a father changed your life, and what has it taught you? I think it immediately changes your life. I don't know that there's any way to prepare for the moment that your firstborn enters the world. Uh, you think you have an idea. Um, one of the things that I always tell the only piece of advice I ever give folks that are um, getting ready to have a child is don't read the books. Do not read that what you know what to expect when you're expecting book because it's literally like 500 pages of here's what can go wrong go wrong in the pregnancy. So you spend every week just terrified of all of the various um, what ifs that can happen. Um, but the moment that your child enters the world, you, you've known this little thing for a minute and you realize very quickly that you would, you know, sacrifice anything for it, him or her. And so um I think it teaches you things. And I think it also re unfortunately reveals things about yourself that you're not going to like um, because it's never, it's an unending, it's an unending journey. It is, you know, you know, watching a child for a day is not near the same as watching a child every day, 365 days a year for 20 years or, or you know, and then having multiples. So it's that consistency that tests your patience, or at least for me, is the consistency of that, that tests the patient. So it reveals for me a lot of things that, that I don't like about myself or that I need to get better at is, you know, that, that the consistency of, of being a parent um, but it does teach you selflessness and it teaches you a, um, you know, that, that you're going to love this, this human being more than life itself. And so it's the hardest thing you'll ever do and the best thing you'll ever do, I feel like. Oh, I agree 100%. Definitely the hardest thing and, and definitely one of the best things. But it's funny. Every, almost every guest that we have, we've had on, uh, they mentioned the book, What to Expect When Expecting. <laughs> <laughs> but we all read it but yeah absolutely you just sit there and you know if you know i didn't feel them kick today well that could be one it's like going on webmd well that could be one of 17 <laughs> things and all of them end in a very life-threatening you know experience so it's it's just, it's just a terrifying book i feel like I, so that that's one of the reasons why Rob and I started this podcast is is because we want other dads to know that you know we we're going through the same things and it's and and we want guys to talk and and share their feelings and let them know that they're not alone that that you know this this does happen and and there, well there's no manual for us you know there's yeah. there's no there's no instruction manual so well that's the other thing you learn about becoming a father especially the first time is there is no manual and so on day 2 or day 3 they're like all right are you guys ready to go and you're like what, what are you who's coming with us what, are you going to send us home with a manual like what do i do i've got this human being now 
that I'm responsible for that seems very fragile. Um, and you're just going to let me walk out with them. And do you know how dumb I am and how, you know, how incapable I am of taking care of myself, let alone a, a new human being? <laughs> was driving like 20 miles per hour from the hospital with my firstborn. I was like an old lady, two hands on the wheel. I never have two hands on the wheel. My wife's like, you can go faster. I was like, no, no, I can't. I got to stay in the right lane. Hazard's on. No one's going to bother me. Uh, she was like, yeah. ridiculous. But it's exactly Absolutely. right. You three days, four days, however long. Hopefully, you're out of the hospital. Well, the natural birth is even quicker than that. But you know, you're out, and you have this small. The first one's the the wake up call because you have this small bundle of life, and it can't talk, and all it does is cry and poop. And you're yeah. but you're head over heels in love with. It. So it's yeah. it's such a such an eye opening experience and something like. I just think everyone should have the opportunity to experience if you want it. And I think about like, I think about people and we always watch movies where people are like, Oh, I'm going to be a bachelor for life. I want to, you know, just, I want to do career. I want to be a bachelor. I want to party. Like that stuff gets old. We were actually went out Saturday night and one of the guys made a comment. He's like, Oh man, this is like back in the day. We had the club and it'd be shoulder to shoulder. I was like, those days are like way in my past, way in my past. I said, Coming out, having a couple bourbons, hanging out with the guys for like a couple hours. That's the extent of me going out at this point. Yeah. Like that's that's all and I want to do. And a lot I want to see my family next morning. It's all right, I didn't mean to cut you off, but yeah, but the night ends a lot sooner than it used to as well. That's true. That is very true. <laughs> Ten o'clock yeah, comes around. I'm looking at my watch. It's like, damn, it's late. I gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and the kids don't, they don't give you the grace on the, the daddy was out last night. They're getting up at six, regardless of whether you went out last night and you got a, or you didn't get a good night's sleep or not. So you got to be prepared because they're coming no matter what. That is true. That is very, very true. So how does being a father affect how you operate every day at a kid again? You know, I, that's a really good question. And, and I think one of the reasons I'm so passionate about our mission and I'm so, um, protective over the families that we serve is because I've had the experience of being a father and understanding how much you love these little human beings and what you would do for them. And, you know, to this point, we've been very fortunate. We have four traditionally healthy kids. And so I can't imagine what the families that we serve go through um, as they walk through these life-threatening conditions. And some of them obviously more aggressive than others and lifespans that are shortened. But all of them are incredibly uh, traumatic and time, you know, more time is involved and much more money is involved. It's just, it's, it's all of the major life stressors, the worst uh, nightmares you could possibly want all kind of put together. And so as a, as a parent, there's a, um, there's an empathy, there's a, there's an added um, ability for me to put myself in these family shoes and really want to serve them as best as we can. Cause I can't imagine the, the what they're going through on a daily basis. My youngest has dysgraphia and dyslexia. And it's very difficult, right? He's learning very slow. It's a hard time reading. He gets word. He can't remember words, which is natural, a natural, like, uh, side effect of that. And I always think, like, 
man, this kid has it so rough. I thank my lucky stars for as much as he goes through. I'm happy that he's a healthy kid and he's going to, you know, he'll be fine. It's just, it's really hard watching your kid, like, you know, go through that. I can't even imagine watching parents who have terminally ill kids or, you know, going through that. I have a friend who went through it and he's very open about it and he talks to me about it and he like, he came on the show. He's one of our first guests. He wanted to give back because he's like, if you haven't experienced this and you're going through it, it is one of the toughest things. He actually lived uh, down in North Carolina, South Carolina area. But he said it's one of the toughest things he's ever had to go through. But it's also one of the things where he feels he needs to impart what he learned and what he experienced with other parents because other people did that to, for him and it helped him to learn. Yeah, it's the strength and the selflessness uh, that we see within these families is is really amazing. Um, um, the and that's one of the reasons why you know for a kid again, one of the really major components that's really unique and really impactful is when we do things. We do things with all of our families. And so yesterday, for example, we took fifteen hundred members of the kid again family to the North Carolina Zoo. And so when they go, they go together. And so they're building because we do things on a regular almost monthly basis, they're building these support systems within one another that they can lean on uh, when times get tough. Um, but, you know, the selflessness, there's so many times where we'll have a family who wants to enroll and we have to almost talk them into enrolling because they're afraid they're going to take somebody else's spot. They're afraid that, man, well, you know, even though we have this life-threatening condition, there's probably somebody out there who's got it worse. And so why don't, if we sign up, then are we going to take somebody else's spot? And that's not ever the case with us. We don't put a limit on any of those things. But to your point, Rob, the, the selflessness that we see from families is really, uh, is really special. And it's, 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 it's sad, obviously, that families have to go through this, but the strength and the resolve that they have um, is, um, is pretty remarkable. It's amazing when you see the strength of, of the community and the support when everybody comes together. Um, I lost my cousin a few a few months ago. He's 15 years old. We also had a little boy in town uh, pass away uh, from from a disease. And it just how the community came together and, and just to support my cousin, just to support um, my, uh, the little boy in town and, and his family. It, it was just uh, it's amazing. It, 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 you know, it, I get goosebumps every time I talk about it. Yeah, it's, we see similar things. So, I mean, that, that, that for as much as we see right now, and whether it's the media or the world and things that we don't like that are not positive, um, there is something remarkable about the way people will rally around a family when they lose a loved one, particularly a child. Um, that everybody understands the, the grief and the loss and the pain of that. Um, so, you know, that's the one bright spot you think you can, you can look at when you see something like that is, is that, that people will rally around that and they'll do pretty much whatever that family needs for. What challenges have you faced raising your kids? How long do we, do we only have 30 minutes, I think. I mean, that's, that's what you said. <laughs> you know, it's, you know, we, we said this earlier, raising kids is one of the hardest things you'll ever do. Um, there's, there's any number. I, you know, for me, it's, um, the work life balance. Um, 
and I'm sure you probably hear that and you guys go through that as well in your own careers and then trying to and then doing this podcast and really trying to give back and all those things and and for me it's you know I'm really passionate as I said about the work that we do and the mission um, of a kid again and so there's times especially when we and I found myself going through this when we lose one of our kid again kids and what we say is they earn their angel wings when that happens I find myself wanting to pour myself back into the work more because we know with every adventure, there's going to be a number of our kids where this is their last adventure. That's just the nature of the population that we serve. And so there is a, a drive to make this next adventure as good as it can be, as perfect as it can be so that they, you know, that they have that perfect adventure and which is impossible. Nothing's ever going to be perfect because there's all sorts of variables that you can't control but you do find yourself really wanting to push for that. And of course, the downside to that is you're sacrificing your own family life. And so what are you sacrificing the benefits of your own family in order to do that? So that work-life balance has really been difficult for me personally. Um, and of course, the, the, it's not necessarily only work-life. You know, when you have kids, the kids take a priority over your marriage in, in, a, in a lot of cases, right? The, over your hobbies. So, I mean, there's a there's a balance that goes completely out the door when the kids pop in. Um, now, it's great. It's wonderful. But, you know, I think that balance is one of those things. And then the other things that I, that I face is each one of our kids is has a different personality and learning how to um, speak to them in a way that you know, they will connect with and will impact them. Uh, each in their own unique ways is a challenge because I typically will be more direct and, you know, just kind of matter of fact. Um, but that works with one of my kids. It doesn't work with the other ones. Um, with the other ones, you got to be a little bit more, you got to be a little bit different. So, yeah, you know, that's a challenge that I take on, but I've got to get it right because it seems, seems small, but I mean, you know, that, that's our relationship is dependent upon how I can connect with them and, you know, and then how they how they grow up and things like that. So that's definitely a challenge that I that I battle every day. That that in itself, just you know, you're different. You're dealing with four different personalities. Well, essentially five, because if you if you incorporate your your significant other, it's five different personalities. So there has to be five different Eds. You know, trying trying to figure yeah. out and, and properly. Uh, speak to each and every single one of, one of your children and, and your wife, you know, it's, that, this definitely is a challenge. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. It's, and it, it's, and it's one that I, that I fail at continuously. <laughs> one of the things you just said was, was something me and my wife talk about all the time is how we always put our kids first. Like we, we see other people, we see other couples, we see other families, like, you know, they all do stuff and, and you have to keep the marriage, you know, going. You have to, you know, keep the relationship with your wife going. But one thing that we, me and my wife agree on 100% is we really probably will never go on vacation by ourselves. We always want the kids with us. Like we're like probably like a little bit too much because we're like, all right, we would rather, we feel better going on vacation like all together. Like we don't feel whole without the kids. Um, but we'll go to dinner without them, right? We'll do, we'll do a night out, but like anything beyond that is like, and once a month, if that is just like, we, we don't feel right. And the one night we go out, we're like out for like two hours. Like, should we go home now? Like, we're, 
What, what are we doing? <laughs> but it's one hundred percent right. Is we we've sacrificed even part of our relationship to put our kids first because we feel that you know it, there was a stat that Sal read in in one of our previous episodes where um you spend by the time your kids are age twelve you've already spent twenty uh seventy five percent of the time you're going to spend with them. So the every like every day I think about that stat since he said that and I'm like. Well, damn, I'm going to spend as much time as I can with my kids. I already see it, and Sal's, Sal has two daughters older than my oldest. But I already see it with my oldest, where, like, he wants to go hang out with his friends. Like, and I'm like, no, no, why don't you come hang out with dad? We'll watch, we'll watch Star Wars, man. We'll watch, uh, Lord of the Rings. And he's like, no, no. I'm like, come on, we'll go, like, we'll go shoot hoops or we'll play, um, tennis. Just not interested. So, you know, it's, I'm willing to make that sacrifice now, and my wife is too, which is, you know, I guess that's why we work, because, because we're both of the same mindset, but it's, it's one of those things that we feel so adamant about it is like, by the time they're 18, like, they're going to be on their own adventure, and that's, you know, we, as parents, that's what we want to prepare them for. Yeah, and I, I love, I love that, Rob. I think it's all, I think it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful mindset to have that you want to spend as much time with the kids as possible. I think that's a, that's a positive thing. Um, and, and, and I think, I think we're similar in that. And I'll also say that uh, I won't say it's completely selfless, but, you know, trying to get a babysitter for four kids is not the easiest thing. So we typically have to go places with them because nobody will take them. <laughs> that is true. I never thought of that babysitter for four kids. You probably, you probably got to get two babysitters. <laughs> yeah. It gets pricey. Oh, I can imagine. I can imagine. So, Ed, what family traditions do you wish that uh, for your kids to carry on to their families? Any traditions that you've started? Yeah, you know, there's a couple of things I wouldn't necessarily call them traditions. The first one is 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 the Seminole tradition, right? I mean, I'm I'm really trying to just bury my kids' head in being Florida State fans, and it's really difficult because we live here um, in. Uh, in in South Carolina in the Charlotte area where everybody's a Clemson fan and Clemson's doing great and it's all great and then you know I'm trying to get my kids to be Florida State fans and we're going six and four or six and six on the season there's thirty thousand people in the stands um and they're like why why would I what did you know and so it's it's difficult but I really am trying because and I'm looking at it because I'm looking at it thirty years down the road and my kids having kids. And then me having three generations watching the game together or going to games together. And I'm, you know, I'm really trying to, to impart the, that seminal legacy on them. Um, but you know, I, the other pieces that we really try and, and they're not really traditions, but really trying to make sure our kids, um, kind of, uh, follow through on is the family connection and understanding that they're siblings and, and, you know, family has to stick together. And, you know, there will be a day when I'm no longer here. Um, hopefully that's longer, you know, not, not sooner. It's later than sooner. But at some point that happens and you want to know that your kids have people looking out for them and they can depend on their siblings in any situation. And so trying to help foster the relationship between the four of them so that they are the tightest bond um, is really important to us. Um, and then the other piece that's really important to me, uh, you know, my father came, uh, to the United States from the Philippines in 1963. And so uh, I am a first generation born, uh, American. 
and for for my kids to understand the sacrifice that my father made, that my grandfather made in order to come to the United States and to build a better life for the family, and that they understand the sacrifice and that they take pride in carrying on that tradition of working hard, serving others, and advancing the family name one more one more level with each generation. So those are kind of the big three things that stand out to me. That one thing um, what you just said about uh, carrying the family name on, you know, you have you have two boys. Um, when I when we had our third daughter, uh, after our third daughter, I told my wife, I said, my last name is going to die with me. And she's like, well, you know, don't don't think of it that way. Maybe our daughters will will, will hyphenate or carry the, the 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 last name as well. So. It's um, you know, it's just pros and cons about having boys and girls. <laughs> Thanks, Rob. True friend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks, pal. <laughs> All right. So next up is our rad dad's rapid fire round. Uh, we'll get started. Favorite book. Yeah, I saw this one. Uh, TV, TV's my favorite book. I haven't read a book in, in, in years. <laughs> I like that. All right. So what's your favorite show on TV? We watch a lot of the, we'll watch, uh, Blackish. We'll watch, um, uh, uh, um, uh, gosh, now I'm going to put this. We just watch old reruns like Seinfeld. Um, um, anything on Netflix that'll just rotate parks and recreation, uh, still the office. Um, anything that'll just rotate through, it's just like mon- mundane, mind-numbing, uh, puts you to sleep, uh, you know, background noise, basically. Favorite food? Steak. Good steak, medium rare. Nice. Favorite sports team? So, Florida State, um, and then uh, in the professional ranks, any of the Bay Area teams. When my family came to the U.S., they settled over in the Bay Area. And so the Niners, the Giants, the Warriors, the A's, any of those Bay Area teams who pull for professional. Uh, favorite vacation spot? The mountains. Um, you know, we can get to the mountains in about two hours here, hour and a half. And to get up, especially this time of the year, uh, where you can get us a little bit cooler, uh, the mountains for us works. Uh, we, we did a trip, our favorite vacation, we actually did, we actually drove from here in South Carolina to Maine two years ago, three years ago. And drove through New York and DC and Boston and did a little bit, did some stops, but we stopped in Maine and stayed there for like five days. And that was really fantastic. Nice. Uh, favorite dad moment. The little moments, you know, there's the little moments that nobody else catches. I think as, as us dads that you see something, you see your kid doing, you get, you know, you get really proud. I, I did have the opportunity to actually deliver my oldest boy, meaning like catch him as he's coming out. Oh, the doctor wow. let me come around and, and catching, which was a pretty crazy experience. Um, and, uh, and then I got a chance to baptize my oldest daughter. And both of those were really kind of, you know, m- moments that you'll never forget. But it's those little moments, I think, that you see on a daily basis that make you chuckle when you, when you replay it back in your mind. Last question. Best dad joke. I'm the least funny person in America. So I had to Google this. This is how, this is how unfunny I am. I Googled dad jokes and one, one struck me. He said there was a, he said I had a kid's meal at McDonald's today 
he said, boy, that kid's mom was really upset with me. <laughs> I mean, that, yeah, definitely a dad joke. That. It's funny you said Seinfeld. So basically everybody knows what Seinfeld is, right? It's a, it's a TV show about nothing. Yeah. I think maybe we should create a podcast about nothing. What do you think, Rob? Just talk about random things. <laughs> All right. So um, there's there's probably a lot of families out there that either um, have have a child that have uh, uh, um, an illness um, or know somebody that has a child with an illness, a life threatening illness. Um, what what can they do? And, and where, how can they get involved with a kid again? The best way is just through our website, www.akidagain.org. Um, you know, we're on social media as well, so you can check us out there. Um, but just going through the website, you can learn a whole lot about what our mission is, the types of uh, conditions that we serve, the states where we're serving them. Um, that's the easiest way, any type of, any type of social media or, or the website. And last question we ask all our fathers, if you can impart a word of wisdom to all the fathers out there expecting uh, new fathers and seasoned fathers, um, what what would it be? Number one, don't read the book. We talked about that earlier. Don't, don't read the book. <laughs> um, but one of the things that I, you know, parents, there's a lot of times that parents will ask um or from, from a kid again, like, how do I get my kid to volunteer? I really want them to volunteer. How do I um, get them to be, you know, kind of in a serving mindset? And the best thing I always tell them is, is do it alongside of them. Model the behavior for your child that you want them to carry on. I mean, we can, you know, there's lots of things we tell our kids and then we don't model that behavior. Well, which way are they more likely to, to follow? And so, you know, it, and that's a lot of pressure on us as parents, but I feel like that's the most impactful way we can impart wisdom is to model that behavior and hope that they, they follow along in what they see from us. And I think that's that's probably the best thing I could ever tell anybody. That is so true. 100% true. Uh, not read the book, yes. <laughs> and also modeling the behavior, absolutely. You know, uh, our, our children are a product of the parents, 100%. Yeah, you take a, I mean, I'm, I'm not a child psychologist, obviously. Um, I went to Florida State. It's, you know, there's, they, they give those degrees out at, at halftime. Um, but, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I'm sure that there's somebody along the lines that's done some study that talks about the, the repetition, uh, the generational repetition that happens from, you know, what the behavior the parents model to the kids. Um, I'm sure it's, there's, there's some, some correlation there. It's really good advice. Ed, thanks so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. This was a great interview. Yes, Ed, it was a pleasure. Sorry about that. I cut right into you. No, I, no, I cut into you. And, and I was just going to say thank you so much. You guys are so easy to talk to. You're so much fun to talk to. Um, and I love the purpose, what the, the mission behind what you're trying to do, which is get dads to talk and talk about things that typically as men or as fathers we shy away from or embarrassed to talk about um but by doing so we become better fathers better men better friends to one another um 
and that's important. I mean, we we are we are we 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 have to be past the point of where we've been for so many decades in terms of keeping it all inside. If there's if there's anything we've learned uh, through COVID and through everything that we've been going through, it's not healthy. You know, mental health is a real thing, and um, and talking about it and seeking help and seeking advice and seeking wisdom and support. Um, is uh, all very helpful, and this I would imagine is a is a is a goes a long way to encouraging others to do that. I agree. It's part of the reason we started this, right? We felt that just to your point, like guys don't necessarily open up all the time, and we felt that you know we could give back, we can get dads to to talk and give their experiences and just learn from one another. So it's it's. So, I mean, we're getting downloads, so it's where somebody's listening. So, uh, Ed, it was a pleasure meeting you. Thank you very much for coming on. Uh, it was a, uh, <laughs> uh, thank you again for coming on.